Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, folks, and welcome to a special edition. Is this a flyperbole? Is this a BSH radio? Is this just something else entirely? I'm not quite sure, but hey, it's Steve Jaco from Flyperbole, and I am not recording Flyperbole next week, but it is the week before the NHL draft, and it's a pretty damn big draft for your Philadelphia hockey flyers. So I figured we needed to get some more tent for this draft out there. And I needed to get something for that missing week. So I reached out to one of the best people I know on the blog with opinions on the youth out there. The youths, if you will. The young up-and-comers, the draft picks, the prospects. And I invited Maddie Campbell on to talk about this Flyers draft. How are you today, Maddie? I'm great. You know, last night I saw projected above my house our friend the rat, like the bat signal, and... Just knew it was time to get back here to talk prospects. Yes, I love to hear that. It didn't freak you out like it did with that woman at the carnival, which is still hilarious <laughs> to me. Uh, or Val- <laughs> Valerie Camillo, who I think just, again, got one look, said, what kind of people am I dealing with and got out of town? I don't blame I her. I don't, you know, who could blame <laughs> her? Who could blame her? But you saw the signal. You answered the call. You are here to talk about draft picks with me today. And I am excited. So the Flyers have 10 picks in this draft, if my math is correct, and I'm pretty sure it is. I did it twice. Uh, They have two first-round picks, 7 and 22, two third-round picks from the Rangers and Panthers, two fourth-round picks, uh, their own and the Oilers, one fifth-round pick, two sixth-round picks, the Flyers and the Senators, and one seventh-round pick. It's hilarious that after all of this maneuvering that they've done, that they still didn't manage to get a second-round pick this year. (laughs) It really is. I, I just I had to double check. I'm like, there's no second round pick, right? And I, where did they lose that? I mean, I'm sure it was one of the many, many Chuck Fletcher deals, but well, it had to be. I think this year's went to Buffalo for Risto. Oh, I'm oh pretty sure. man. That is some salt in the wound right there. Oh, that's terrible. But Brutal. Hey, at least Danny Briere in his one move he's made as GM was able to get another first round pick, which is really huge in a draft like this because I, everything I've heard, and I'm not an expert, which is why I have you on today. Everything I've heard is this is one of the deeper drafts that the NHL has had in recent history. Yeah, I think this is a good consolation for them not committing to the tank to get a top five pick this year. This is, yeah, if there's one year that you're going to at least try to load up on first round picks, this would be the one to do it. For sure. And I think one of the questions that a lot of people have going into this is how much maneuvering is Breer going to do? Because we don't know anything about Breer, which is great. Uh, He's made one move to this point. It was the Proveroff trade. Seemed like a slam dunk to me and a lot of other people. And... I guess the question on a lot of people's minds is, is he going to try to move around in that first round, be it move up, which is very difficult in the top 10. Uh, Maybe he trades back 
and tries to get a couple more picks. Uh, you know, with two picks, you really do have some options. Yeah, and we were just talking about the second round pick. I kind of wouldn't hate to see them scoot back a little bit this year to try and get a another second round pick because of how deep this draft is. I think if they move back a little bit and try to recoup a little bit more draft capital, it's not really going to sink them in the way that in other years it might. Yeah. And again, I just like that Briere has a lot at his disposal, a lot to work with. And we'll talk later because they have other options that they could really use to get more picks because there are a lot of guys on the trade block. Basically, the whole damn team's on the trade block right now. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time. It's. I'll tell you what, it went from one of the least interesting periods in Flyers history to real damn interesting very quickly. Totally. And I think something that's been comforting but also a little bit frightening as we go into this the Provorov trade so creative and I feel like that is just a whole world of possibilities opened up will those possibilities be good but (laughs) it's something anything could happen at this point truly I'll take some creativity it's been ages since we've had creative I think the last guy I mean Ron Hextall got a little creative with some of his salary dumps, but that's not fun creativity, dumping a salary. You know, that's not great. Paul Holmgren got creative in some of the craziest ways you've ever seen and (laughs) ultimately tanked the team with that, but he was trying. He was trying his best. It's probably been that long, though, since we've seen that level of creativity in a GM. So it's a really good start for Danny. Now, a lot of people have been trying to predict through their mock drafts and such, who he's going to pick at number seven. And again, we don't know anything about Danny Friere. We don't know what kind of player he's going to pick. If it was Chuck Fletcher, I think you could pretty much bet on him picking somebody that was safe. Somebody with, I don't know, like, for instance, if I think about Chuck Fletcher, I think about the old Cam York and the Cole Caulfield draft, where... Mm -hmm. You know, if he really wanted to take a swing, he would have taken Cole Caulfield, but he he actually traded back, had another chance at Cole Caulfield, and decided, no, he wanted to go with Cam York, who was an infinitely safer pick. And I'm not complaining about Cam York like a lot of people do. I actually really like Cam York. I really thought he was one of the best Flyers defensemen this past season, and I'm excited to see what he can do with an expanded role. But Briere, all we really know about him is from his NHL repertoire. You know, he's a guy who's played in the modern era. He's a guy who's played with the salary cap and he signed big contract under the salary cap. So he's at least familiar from those respects. And considering he's a guy who's played pretty recently, he knows how modern NHL hockey is played. He knows that you need speed, you need skill. And I'm hoping that this translates into him selecting a player with a really high ceiling like maybe somebody who's even a little risky yeah totally and I think it's interesting too that since they've picked up this second first round pick like how much does that change your approach or your sort of ethos with your uh your drafting this year um it's we've talked about this like how important it is for them to start actually taking some swings on players but like do you take that swing at seven do you hold off until 22 do you do it for both it's 
I would like to see them do it for both. Um, but Same. it's just, it's going to be so interesting to see how they approach this. It really is. And getting into some of the options over there at seven. So, you know, the, the top two or three are pretty much set in stone at this point. Like, it's very obvious that Connor Bedard is going number one. And if Bedard didn't go number one, you'd really have to wonder what's going on in Chicago. Did they get brainwashed? <laughs> Were they getting blackmailed? That's the only reason Bedard doesn't go number one. Uh, <laughs> Van Tilly seems to be the consensus at number two. And he should be from everything I've read about him. He just seems like a slam dunk. But then, you know, three's where it starts to get hairy. And there's a very good chance that a very talented player could fall to the Flyers at seven. There's also a chance that the Flyers just... I have no idea who's going to fall to the Flyers at seven. And if... Just looking at some of the names. So Matvey Mishkov is one of the big names who's been floating around there. And obviously you have the problem with him being Russian and everything going on with Russia. I mean, just looking at Ivan Fedotov, that tragedy over there, like, it just sucks what happened with him. And I think a lot of teams are going to be scared about that potentially happening with Mishkov. But from all indications, Mishkov certainly seems like a player worth taking the risk for. Yeah, 100%. And like, yeah, like you said, understandably, teams might be a little bit gun shy there. But I think with his contract situation too, like, even taking away all of the political implications. Um, he's probably a guy who's going to be not coming over immediately. So I don't, hopefully that helps things a little bit. I don't know. He would be kind of my dream player for falling to the Flyers at seven, but that's just so much to unpack. There is a real possibility that he could fall to the Flyers, but can you imagine the social media response, the fan response for something like that? Because people are just going to to fall back on what happened to Fedotov, and it'll just be doom and gloom. Oh my god, yeah. But I'll be excited just because everything I've heard about Mishkov is he is just... Uh, a tremendously talented hockey player and somebody that really is worth trying to get, you know, it, he's worth the patience. He's worth the risk, you know, based on what I've heard. Again, I haven't seen too much of this, but, you know, do, do you share that assessment of Mishkov? Completely. And I think in a in an alternate universe where we don't have to do all of this sort of socio-political weighing with the player as well. Like he's right there with Fantilli um, in people's draft rankings. So he is just such a talented player, like truly a game breaker um, and would be a really, really significant difference maker for a team. But you know, we are where we are. We are where we are. So Mishkov is uh, one that could happen, but who knows what's going to happen. He probably should get selected third or fourth, but uh, he really could go anywhere. Now, one of the guys I've seen number three, um, not quite definitively, but almost across the board, uh, Leo Carlson is right up there. He's a big boy over there, 6'3", 198, Swedish. Probably not dropping to the Flyers, I would imagine. No, something would have to go just like horribly weird or wrong with the teams above for him to fall to them, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the impression I've gotten on that one. We're probably looking at him as a, uh, what is that, the Blue Jackets at uh, number three over there? 
Probably, yeah. Yeah. Will Smith's another one who maybe there's an outside chance he follows the Flyers, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah, and again, like, would be super exciting, but not holding my breath either. Yeah, I would not recommend holding your breath for that, folks. (laughs) Looking at some of the other names, though, because that's, you know, I would say Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, and Smith are almost all definitively going within the top six. So, and then you've got Mishkov, who really could probably also fall in there. He probably should fall within the top six. So we're five players, and this is where you start to play around a little bit. So who do you see as the most likely player to fall to the Flyers at seven? And Because the Flyers actually will have a lot of options at seven, a lot of different ways they can go. Yeah, it's um, almost a little overwhelming with how many options they have at this point. And I feel like recently it's really the pack has kind of spread out in terms of who's getting mocked to them or who that people just like. It's all over the place. Like, this is why I wanted to get on and break this all down, because, like, I've never seen so many options out there. I feel like last year it was a lot more limited and it was like Cutter and maybe one or two other guys. Yeah, it's crazy this year. Um, which, you know, is a lot if you're trying to do your preparation, but I think big picture should be comforting for fans, right? Like there's a lot of really good players, um, in this sort of middle space in the draft and hopefully the Flyers are going to get somebody good no matter what, but yeah, a lot of work for us. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the names I've seen floating around out there for potentially falling to the Flyers at seven, uh, we got, this was the first one I saw too, from the first mock draft. I saw Charlie pick Zach Benson, left wing Mm -hmm. from Winnipeg in the WHL. Uh, Charlie had noted that he was a big swing type player, smaller, has high end puck skills, uh, flash creativity. That's all the stuff I want to hear out of a Flyers draft pick. Number five on McKenzie's list, a very real possibility he gets picked in the top six. But I've also seen this guy all over the place. I've seen him as high as like five or six, and I've seen him as low as in the 20s. Like, I, it's crazy. Yeah, and some of these mock drafts and stuff are just, I don't know what the writers are going on about. Like, this is also the time of year where people start to just get really off the wall because they've been looking at it for so long. They're like, how can I make this extra wild? <laughs> it's it's the Charlie Kelly conspiracy board, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but Benson, I really like at seven. Um, I do not picture him making it out of the top 10. I don't even feel like super confident that He's like definitely going to be on the board for the Flyers, but he is one that I would really, really be happy if they could grab there. I like everything I hear about him. Like that's that's the pedigree that I want in the Flyers draft pick. And if anybody's not going to be scared of selecting a player that's smaller, it's going to be Danny Briere. You would think, right? You would think, you would really hope that one of the guys who was completely underestimated for the entire beginning of his career because of his size, that overcame it and had one of the biggest contracts in Flyers history, would see past that. (laughs) You would think. 
You would think. Now, looking at some of the other ones here, uh, I've seen Ryan Leonard popping up a lot lately as a potential for the Flyers. Craig Button had the Flyers picking him. They did another mock draft on the Athletic where Charlie O'Connor uh, also picked Ryan Leonard. And he is, I'm just trying to think if I have any quick facts on him, but he's more of a two-way player, strong compete level, that kind of stuff I've heard about Leonard. What's your thoughts on Ryan Leonard as a potential Flyers pick? He would also be a good one. I think, um, like you sort of alluded to, there's more of a well-roundedness to his game, which I think recently has become a little bit like code for just sort of bad or boring for a pick. <laughs> like we don't need any more good two-way centermen. Yawn. And it feels like every year for a while, that's all the flyers were picking. Cause I remember when Scott Lawton was picked, that was everybody was going like a two-way center. And I think they either had just gotten rid of Mike Richard. Cause when was Scott Lawton drafted? Oh my god. It feels like forever ago at this point. Forever ago. But it, it felt like the Flyers' <laughs> cup overfloweth with two-way centers at that point. Yeah, they were just absolutely obsessed. So it's a very Flyers thing to pick that. But So does Leonard actually fall into that camp, or is he more than that? I, I would say he's more than that. Um, I think there is more offensive upside to his game um, with a handful of these NTTP guys. There's not a lot of consensus on how good is the player versus how much are they just a product of being part of a very strong, productive team. But um, I like his skill set. I would be happy with that pick. Now, one of the picks I've seen out there, this was uh, Corey Prodman took him in an athletic mock draft. David Reinbacher, defenseman a Swiss defenseman over there. And he's supposed to be the best defensive prospect in the draft. But I feel like as a Flyers fan, that sounds incredibly boring for the number seven pick. Yeah. Like he's a good, solid player. And I think if these guys are so hard to project generally, just being so young, but if you're looking for a player who is as close as you're going to find to being just a lock to be a productive NHL player, you've got one here. I think Reinbacher would be that, but like, yeah, that would just be sort of the boring safe pick that we're hoping that they start to steer away from. I wouldn't hate if that's the direction they go, but it's just sort of bleh. Yeah, yeah, that was the impression I got. Like, just kind of sort of bleh. There were a couple guys that I saw that fell into that sort of bleh territories. Reinbacher was one of them. The other one I saw was uh, Dalibor Dvorsky, who yeah. is a Swedish center. He's got some nice size. It seems like a solid, safe pick, but he seems pretty boring to me. Am I right in that assessment? Yeah, completely agree. Like, I don't want to, I feel a little bad being too mean about these players because they're just kids, like, right. doing their best here. You but could be like, talking about a guy who, like, five years down the line, you're like, thank God the Flyers picked him. He'd be ama he was amazing after all. But, like, it, it, on paper, because we've seen so much boring crap out of this franchise for years, you want to see something just thrilling. Yeah, totally. And both of those guys just do very much feel like Fletcher picks. 
Oh my god, Chuck Fletcher is just going to be... Which TV station is he on? Is he on TSN for this one? I think so. He's just going to be screaming at the... Come on, Daddy! Pick the safe... (laughs) I can't believe he got a TV gig. I can't even imagine him screaming. Like, I just said that, and I'm like, that just feels wrong. (laughs) It's just... Danny, you should do the right thing and pick this very... It's like getting a check from your grandparents and, like putting it into a savings account. That's kind of Chuck Fletcher's exciting ideas right there. Yeah, that's his whole vibe. Yeah. You could buy toys or you could put it in the savings account and accrue interest. I'd, I'd like to buy the toys. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> now, is there anybody else? So I have a few other names I've listed here. I don't really know if there are even considerations. Uh, Scott Wheeler on one of the drafts I looked at had the Flyers taking Gabe Perot, a left wing from the U.S. Yeah, um, looking at your list here, I would say Perot and Oliver Moore are the a little bit more under the radar guys who I would sneaky be super pleased if the Flyers could get them at seven or if they you know it works out that way um they're both a little bit more projecty um not as safe bets but i think there's a tremendous amount of offensive upside with both of those players um if they can you know get them into a good developmental setup which it seems like they're working on shoring up around here but um yeah those are two names that i'm Super keeping an eye on. All right, nice. Are there any names we haven't mentioned to this point that you would also consider for the seventh pick? Mm, Those are kind of the big ones for me. I think it's seven. Cool. And with that seventh pick, would you be tempted if you were Danny Breer to trade back at all and try to just accrue a little bit more draft capital? Or would you rather just select one of these guys like right here and now? That's a tough one. Um, I think personally I would be leaning towards staying put at seven, but if some of the teams ahead of them get a little bit wild, um, especially if you have maybe one or two that convince themselves to go a little bit off board, grab Reinbacher or Sandine Pelika, two defensemen, and some of those more skilled forwards would be falling back a little bit. If you could try back and still grab one of them, I would be looking to do that. But I'm not going to be absolutely screaming at the television if they walk up to the, the podium at seven and just make their pick. Right. Because th- this isn't one of the top three picks. You know, this isn't Fantilli. This isn't Bedard. Th- there's no slam dunk here. There's nobody that's 100% going to be the next superstar. Totally. All right. Last question on the first pick, on the number seven. If you're Danny Breer, who do you want? Who's your Who's your guy that you really want at that spot right there? Mm, Benson. Benson. Okay. Yeah. I'm liking what I hear about Benson. I'm into that. Yeah, that would just be a fun pick. Yeah, and that's what we need. That's what we need as people who follow and cover the Philadelphia Flyers. We need some fun. Yeah, like, I just want to be excited about it. Just please, any excitement, for the love of God. Like, I feel a little bit regenerate, re- rejuvenated after the Provorov trade, because that was the most creative trade I've seen in a while, and it was very smart, and it got them into the first round again at 22. And 
I'm excited to have that second pick in the first round. And it's a little harder to project 22 because the field is so much more wide open and variable at that point. Uh, I did look at a couple mock drafts and saw some names out there. And I mean, who knows? There are guys that could fall from the first list we talked about all the way down here. But there could also be guys out of like left field. And this is if they're going to trade a pick to move around. 22 is probably the one they're going to trade. But uh, we'll certainly see what happens. So I'll just uh, I have a few names listed here. I'll see you know, how much to discuss about them here. Uh, the first one I have is Calum Ritchie, who is the, uh, who is a center from the Oshawa Generals. Uh, Charlie selected him in an athletic mock draft. How much do you know about Calum Ritchie? Um, a bit. I sort of lean a bit on the, he would be, if you're taking a swing at seven, um, Richie would be a little bit more on the safer side for a pick if you wanted to equal that out a little bit um, vibes wise. But um, I think still a good player. Just don't take a Jay O'Brien at that pick. That's all I ask for. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we keep saying take a swing on a pick, but like take a well-informed swing. Like I feel like I need to keep the monkey's paw from acting up here. Yeah, I agree. The monkey's paw has been too active already. We don't need to tempt that fate any more than it's already been tempted. Yeah, absolutely not. So I saw Richie up there. I uh, I saw a lot of centers at the, at least the mock drafts I looked at today on this. Like uh, the other centers I saw, uh, Charlie Strammel, David Edstrom, like all in that like 20s range right there. I also saw Edward Sale, left wing from Czechia, who Pronman had the Columbus Blue Jackets taking when he wrote that, you know, because the Blue Jackets had that pick before they traded it to the Flyers for Ivan Provorov for whatever goddamn reason they did that for. I'm still trying to figure that out. But uh, do you know anything about Sale? Yeah, I think there's some offensive upside there. Um, He's one that is a little bit more... Scouts are kind of split on him. We just talked about the the well-informed swing. He's one I'm like a little bit nervous about. Um, Just because he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of his season. And it's like, when the guys are this young, it's hard to sort of parse out how much of that is like just a down period or versus coming down to earth a little bit, like reaching more of a true talent level. So I don't honestly know where I fall on him, but I think that's still a name worth keeping an eye on. Um, The couple of players that I did like um, are actually not ones that we have on this list. I probably should have just added them. Oh no, that's why you're here. Let's hear about them. Um, I really like either an Andrew Kristall or a Gavin Brindley. Both undersized probably are going to fall a little bit in this draft. Um, But yeah, just like really fun, creative, offensive players. Um, And I think this is kind of the perfect spot to take a player like that in versus like a Charlie Stramel, who we mentioned earlier, who was like, hanging out in around this zone, even though he might not have quite as much of an offensive toolkit, but he is big. Ooh, size. Yeah. (laughs) People love size, specifically Chuck Fletcher. 
yeah, this is such a weird zone because it's just like you could have, yeah, the the big power forward that people are just sort of obsessed with um, or like a 5'8 speedy-ish guy like Brinley. Um, it's just like a crazy range of prior, player profile here. I would love some speed. That's throughout my life. My Me and my dad have always lamented the Flyers just lacking speed. It feels like every team in the NHL is always three times as fast as the Flyers. It's crazy how they just cannot shake that. They can't. And that's, again, what my hope is with Briere, somebody who's had a decent amount of speed in the league, not the fastest guy, but faster than a lot of flyers and has seen the effect that having some devastating speed on your team can have. You know, hopefully he recognizes that. I'm so curious to see what he does in this draft in that regard. Yeah, and... Just speaking more to that, I feel like these playoffs have been just such a clear look at what like a little bit more speed can do for you. Um, and honestly, how big the gap between <laughs> those teams and the Flyers are right now, it's jarring. I mean, how many fast Flyers even are there? <laughs> I can't even think. <laughs> I mean, they have a little bit and I feel like they've gotten a little better in that regard. Like, I think, you know, Farabee's got his moments out there. Konechny's got his moments. But like, and some of the guys, we're going to talk about trade bait shortly. Some of the guys they're looking to move on from, like Provorov wasn't the fastest guy. And Kevin Hayes is like pretty darn old school slow out there. So to really get some more speed in there and keep, trending in that direction because even the guys they've drafted the past few years that i like a lot like tyson forrester is awesome i'm really excited about tyson forrester but skating was his primary issue and the main thing he's been working on and believe me he looks good he's definitely come a long way but he's not a speed demon no and yeah you kind of hope that going forward here it might be a little bit of an addition by subtraction sort of situation but yeah, if they can just kind of keep prioritizing, even just finding guys who can match and play with the same tempo versus, you know, just loading up on absolute burners, I think that would go a long way still. For sure. Absolutely. So what kind of player, if you're Danny Briere here, what kind of player are you looking to select at 22? I think... Yeah, as much as I understand why they might want to go a little bit safer here, I don't want them to. (laughs) They've gone safe too many times. Don't go safe. I know. Just, like, get absolutely as weird as possible in this draft. That's what I want to see. I'm into that. Let's show more of that creativity (laughs) from that Provorov trade. Right? Again, the most exciting thing I have heard from this franchise in a good long while. So some of the ways that Danny Breer could potentially get weird, go a little nuts with this. You want to get nuts? Let's go nuts! He could (laughs) trade an established Philadelphia Flyer, maybe not so established with some of these names. And some of the names out there right now, uh, Scott Lawton has been a huge name over the past week or so on the trade rumor boards. Yeah, and... It's going to be interesting. I don't I don't know how many of these guys, if any, I could really see being moved at the draft. But yeah, I think Lawton is one that I would be looking to move. I know there's a lot of like 
sentimentality around the kind of veteran that he is on a rebuilding team and the kind of asset he could be to that. But like, man, I anything that's not nailed down at this point, I'm selling. <laughs> He's one of the few legitimately good guys and one of those guys that you just can't help but root for in this team because he has so much heart out there. He is really the heart and soul of this team. So from in that respect, it would be hard to trade him. Uh, but at the end of the day, like he's one of, if somebody wants to give you a first round pick for Scott Lawton, how can you say no? Yeah, a hundred percent. I, and listen, I like Scott Lawton a lot, but I, I like a first round pick a lot more. I, I do too. And Scott Lawton, he's a great Jack of all trades kind of guy, but he's never going to be a big time goal scorer for you. He's never going to be a big point producer. He's just a really good glue guy. Yeah, and especially at, with it, where he is in his career at this point, like he's probably helpful for a contender, but with the Flyers' window not being for at least a few years down the line, you know, you're not going to be getting good production out of him at that point. Um, and I just, if you're keeping him around to be a locker room guy, uh... that's kind of silly. Yeah. Like that's not, you're not really committing to a rebuild if you're keeping locker room guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have to build a culture eventually, right? But you don't have to do that today. Today, you just have to like, for instance, I'm in the middle of moving. And the first thing I've been doing is clearing out all my old junk. Not to say that Scott Lawton is old junk, but he's not really something that belongs in the new house. Totally. And like, your sort of culture focus you can pick that up going forward it's like you don't need to have the pieces in place necessarily right now like make sure that the ones you're getting down the line are good and you'll be fine as well i mean if you even look at the flyers from the past danny Breer has firsthand experience with this because he was the flyers big swing to get back into contention back when mm -hmm. he was signed that was the flyers like they tried to make the culture. They brought in one of the top free agents and yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just do a nice little repeat on that? Would love that. Be a big fan <laughs> of that one. So the other names I have here, I'm going to read the names, but I really think Scott Lawton is the most likely to get moved at the draft. You've got Kevin Hayes, Carter Hart, Tony D'Angelo, Travis Konechny. Those guys have all been rumored either over the past year or in the past couple weeks, like Carter Hart has been a real, real big topic ever since that Provorov trade. Hayes has been a big topic since his first spat with Torts back last fall. And I mean, you know, we've, we spilled nothing on Tony D'Angelo and Travis Konechny is a lot like Scott Lawton in that any, any NHL team would like him on the roster, but it really only feels like Lawton, is the one that's likely to get traded at the draft. And I feel like if a Lawton trade doesn't happen at the draft, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that definitely does seem to be kind of the vibe here. Um, the more I'm sitting with it and thinking about it, I connect me as one. I wouldn't be massively surprised to see moved at the draft, um, but that's more... In my mind, that would be like a almost in the same vein as the the Atkinson Voracek trade, where it's like players for player. Mm. 
What kind of a player would you get in a Travis Konechny trade? I'm, I'm actually really curious about it. I'd never considered that it might be a player-for-player player trade. Yeah, I, I think I'm, like, cooking this thought as we're going here. I'm letting you cook. <laughs> um, I think I would like to see him moved more, like, less for, you know, a one-for-one like vibe shift kind of trade. But if you could get some prospects back, maybe I think that would be something I would be interested in. I would even do something like one of the few Chuck Fletcher creative trades, like the Claude Giroux trade. And it was only creative because he only had one team to deal with. And that was the best he could do. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) where they got a, a good project player back in Owen Tippett, who Florida had pretty much given up on. They didn't really have room for him on the roster, and he's been a resounding success for the Flyers so far. And they got a really far down the line first-round pick, but they still got a first-round pick. Yeah, and just something about that seems like more likely for me like for a Konechny trade uh, rather than like just getting a bunch of picks back for him. I can't really explain it, but just... That's I mean, he at. is, as I said, like one of those players that every team could really use. He shit talks, he scores, he's super talented. <laughs> and unlike Lawton, he does put up a good amount of points. I mean, last year he was an offensive dynamo. Yeah, and I, I think there's still a lot left in the tank for him. You know, there's a lot more runway, I would say, for a team who's looking at him. You know, it's not like he might have a couple of years left uh, before the productivity really falls off. Um, I think a team that's like ongoing in their contention, he would be a really attractive player for them. I feel like with somewhere like Toronto, somewhere like Boston, that could be a really good landing Mm -hmm. spot for some, and I would hate to see him in either spot, but it would be a good landing spot for him because he wouldn't necessarily have to be the main guy and he could just do his thing. And not that Travis has had a problem being the main guy. Actually. I thought he did a great job in Philadelphia this year as the main guy. Yeah. I think there's a lot that's encouraging about how he was able to kind of pick up that mantle. Um, where I don't know that I necessarily would have expected. I wasn't it expecting ahead it. Of this year, I was but... not. Yeah. Um, so it, that was definitely really great to see. The guy I did expect it from was Kevin Hayes. I thought Kevin Hayes was going to embrace the Tortorella system. I thought Kevin Hayes was really going to take up the mantle of making it his team and everything. And he just, it was oil and water with John Tortorella and Kevin Hayes. Like they did not get along at all. And Hayes has been rumored to get traded off this team ever since they really start disagreeing. And... It's a, it's a difficult trade to work out because of that cap hit. Everybody thought it was going to be Columbus, and now that's in doubt because of Babcock being their coach. Do you see Kevin Hayes like getting traded anytime soon? Or, you know, I don't know if this is going to happen at the draft because it's so complicated. Yeah, this is definitely not one that I would envision happening at the draft. I think that there's a lot more moving pieces with this one. Um, I think it does get done purely because you know he obviously wants to be gone and I'm sure the Flyers want to do right by him but it seems like we're also kind of moving into this space of like if you don't want to be here we don't want you here so the Flyers at the same time are kind of incentivized to get him the heck out of here 
that's pretty much Tort's like motto when you're going to the locker room. You don't want to be here. Get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a shy man. Definitely not. That's, I think, the last word you would ever use to describe him. <laughs> also decidedly not a shy man is Tony D'Angelo, who did not have a great first year with the Philadelphia Flyers. He, uh, again, he did pretty much what the Philadelphia, what you would think he would do. He was terrible defensively, pretty good offensively. He did deliver some offensive results, didn't really help the power play like he was supposed to, and really fell out of favor with Torts over those last few games in the season where he didn't even play to end the season. So I think it's very obvious that he's not exactly... uh, It was a bizarre move to even bring him in in the first place. I, I questioned why Chuck Fletcher did that. Even just from a purely hockey perspective, it didn't really make sense. And I don't really know if he's tradable i know they're going to try but he just i can't really see why any team would want to spend that money and spend any capital to acquire him at this point yeah that's the tough part like it feels like his value is i don't want to say at an all-time low because it's been worse folks (laughs) that it has (laughs) but it's yeah it's not great for him right now and it's like I'm sure there's part of him that does still want to be here, at least right now, being the hometown boy and all that. But um, I kind of see him as being like where Kevin Hayes was at this time last year. And it is feeling super like in danger of becoming untenable if they can't move him and he and Tortorella can't like fix whatever they have going on there. I'm in danger. Yeah. It's <laughs> not, not, not looking great for TDA over there. And no. what, I know there were talks of maybe buying out that contract. When is the buyout window again? Is that over already? Or is that coming up still? Uh, it's coming up. I think. I don't think or that's going to happen. Did that open but... today. Did it open today? I'm not sure. Let I guess we can find look. out. Yeah, you, you could do some Googling. I'm just going to wax poetic real quick. But I, I don't think they're going to buy him out. But if they did, it really would not be a bad deal because they would only have to deal with this cap hit dead money for you know this season and next season. So it really would not be the worst idea. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate it, to be honest. Um, the buyout window is open, by the way. Okay, so the buyout window is open now, so this is very relevant to talk about today, then. Oliver ekman Larson just got bought out. Oh, wow. How about that? I actually am... Talk about a guy whose stock plummeted overnight. Like, he used to be one of those guys who was talked about as one of the best young defensemen in the NHL, and now he's getting bought out. That's what happens when you go to these Canucks, folks. (laughs) What a franchise. Truly just Flyers West. I was going to say, one of the only franchises that I can talk shit on as somebody who likes the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> is the Vancouver Canucks. They just are, they're a goofy ass franchise, but yeah, Ekman Larson, moving on. Happy trails. Yeah, D'Angelo, it, it depends, I guess, on how much Tortorella doesn't want him in that room and Briere doesn't want to see him on that ice because like this season they're not going to compete. Like 
if they made it to the playoffs, it would be a real outside shot and they would probably barely make it in if they did. They ain't winning a cup this season, okay? Unless, like, a miracle happens and, like, one of these guys turns into better than Bedard that they trapped or something. And I don't expect any of these guys to play this year. Um, it's not happening, folks. So, if you have to endure one more season, which I'm not looking forward to, but if you have to endure one more season with D'Angelo, I mean, it is what it is. You pay that cap hit, you never have to deal with them again. Yeah, and it's not the end of the world. It potentially, if they can get things going again, um, he is a guy that you might be able to move next deadline. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if Briere can keep being creative and not think of this as a hard job, then... <laughs> You know, that's that's definitely like a possibility. And I'm okay with that. I mean, there's some really tradable assets on this team already. We've run those down. I mean, they just picked one up in the Provorov trade. Who was the uh the defenseman they got in that trade? Not uh the prospect, but the more established one. Walker. Walker, yeah. Like Walker is a really obvious trade deadline candidate for this team. Yeah. And then you've got Cal Peterson, who makes $5 million a season, inexplicably. <laughs> I did not realize he was making that much money when that trade happened. That was wild. It really is wild. And thankfully, the Flyers just, you know, eat Arby's this year. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, and this podcast brought to you by Arby's. How about that? But it, uh, you know, it, it did open up the window for people to talk about the Carter Hart trade again, which hasn't happened. There is no indication it's going to happen, but, and this doesn't feel like one that would happen at the draft either, unless the team really blew the flyers away. Cause I mean, it's, we've said over and over, this is an unprecedented trade. How do the flyers even trade Carter Hart? It's a weird one to even process. Yeah. I personally, I don't think, he or any guys on that team are getting touched, moved until whatever they have from that Hockey Canada investigation is made public. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be the next week where that comes out. Um, So it's just, that would be like a weird, difficult trade no matter what, but it's just being made even weirder and more difficult for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's just too many layers like an onion on this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be a really interesting draft that's coming up on Wednesday, June 28th. And if you have not figured out where you're watching the draft, you should come down to the live casino in South Philly and watch it with us. How about that? We're having a draft party. It's going to be a blast. The Gritster's going to be there, Gritty gonna give you some head rubs or whatever gritty does steal your phone and hope that he doesn't take your credit cards and steal your identity that was a terrifying moment for me two years ago and (laughs) gritty's gonna be there i think uh, some alumni might show up it's gonna be a great time and all of us well not all of us but a good amount of people from broad street hockey are gonna be there so it's gonna be a lot of fun i know it's a wednesday night which is weird but the flyers have two picks in the first round come hang out it's gonna be fun so much fun. I just got derailed for a second imagining you having to call your credit card company and explain that Gritty stole your identity. <laughs> Please, I need this canceled. Why do you need to cancel? Well, uh, Gritty stole my foot. The Flyers mascot? The orange monster? Yeah, you would think he couldn't type with those giant squeak hands, but yep, he can. 
really fast. Hi, I'd like to contest a charge 80 pounds in popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> that is the kind of thing Gritty would buy if he stole your credit card. 80 pounds of popcorn and like, I don't know, like a bouncy house. More giant hats. Yes. He'll actually start a giant hat company with your credit. <laughs> oh, the gritster. Gritisons. But yeah. So come out to the draft party. It's going to be a blast. Make sure you are subscribing and listening to the podcasts and all that. Uh, make sure you are subscribing to Broad Street Hockey. We have some wonderful content coming out around the draft and you want to be there to read it. So, you know, it's only a few bucks a month and for the for the for the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you could be reading some of the best hockey content on the Internet. So you should. Surely all of you want to be the smartest person at our draft party. So subscribe, read up, and you'll be good to go. Hell yeah. If you have any feedback for us, unfortunately still, the best place is Twitter for now. It really seems like it's getting worse every day, but for now, it's still Twitter. Uh, Maddie, if people have any comments, where can they find you on the old Twitters? Uh, I am at Madeline Campbell. No E in Campbell because Twitter is still a tyrant. So stupid. So stupid. <laughs> what a stupid system. Maybe Just Blue Sky have my let you, name. Maybe Blue Sky will let you have the, the E when that opens up for everybody. Aspirational. Aspirational, absolutely. You can find me at Flyperbole or Estee Bomb if it's for hockey purposes. Make it Flyperbole. Also on Instagram, also on TikTok. Don't understand TikTok, but I'm there. I'm trying to put stuff up. It doesn't really make sense to me, but whatever. And then uh, BSH Radio, Broad Street Hockey on Twitter as well. And Instagram as well. How about that? Folks, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros